Yo, 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 what is up, everybody? We are back with another episode of the best sports podcast on planet Earth, baby, in the in the solar system, okay? Quite quite literally in the galaxies, okay? Welcome back. We are with another episode, episode number 11 of Endless Competing. Good bit of stuff going on in sports today. A lot of different things going on. Look, man, a little bit of motivation for y'all if we get, as we get started. There's a lot of things going on in the world. There's a lot of bad in the world. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of tough times. Everybody's going through something hard. Look, you got to remember to stay true to yourself, okay? And you got to remember to keep your head down and to keep working. It's going to be worth it in the end, for sure, for sure. Alrighty, let's get into this. Obviously, quite literally, arguably the man with the greatest walkout in UFC history, okay? In UFC history, if we're being honest. All right, this guy is just different. If you don't know what I'm talking about yet, we're talking about the Korean zombie, okay? I mean, this guy quite literally had the best walkouts in UFC history. I would say that his walkout is number one in the UFC. And that's saying something because we have had a lot of great walkouts, but there is nothing better than the Korean zombie walking out the zombie. And look... You guys got to go check it out. Just go look up Korean Zombie Walkout, and you're just going to feel the chills, okay? You just imagine the whole country is on your back. You're, you're the biggest Korean UFC fighter, Korea, biggest Korean fighter in the world, all time in the history of Korea, okay, both North and South, and as big as you are, like, literally, the country is on your back. Okay, and you, 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 they nickname you the Korean zombie just because you, you're just out of your body when you fight. Okay, you, you have no emotion, you have no reaction, nothing can take you down. Like, you're, you're just different. And don't get me wrong, say he's the best Korean fighter because he is. His record doesn't really show it, but this guy did not give a damn about who he fought. He fought anybody and anybody. It don't matter when or where, who, when, why, it doesn't matter. He was there, and he was he was ready to go. No matter what, he was on go mode the whole whole time. Okay, but yeah, I'm telling y'all, look it up. The Korean Zombie walkout. It is the the best walkout I've ever seen. Okay, I'm telling you, you just have the country on the back, and you just hear zombie, 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 in your head. Like, it, oh man, it just gives me chills just thinking about it. it, it honestly, I, and I love Sean O'Malley the other day, the, the Superstar song, because it's like, you know, you talk all this and you're, you know, uh, now, like now's the time. Now's the, now's the time to come out and be a superstar. Hence, like, you know, like that's like the whole thing behind it. It's like Sean has been saying this back since um, the Ultimate Fighter that he's like, you know, I mean, uh, not the Ultimate Fighter. I'm sorry, Dana's White comp- Competition Series, not the uh, Ultimate Fighter is better. But back in Dana's White Competition Series, and like he was like, I'm gonna be bigger than Conor McGregor. That's literally what he said. He was like, Conor McGregor is huge, one of the biggest names, if not the biggest name in UFC fighting, uh, right now. He's like, I'm gonna be bigger than him. He was like, everybody's coming to the Sugar Show, and they were like, Dude, you're tripping. Like, what are you talking about? Like, nobody's gonna top Conor for a while. Okay, and this was literally like what, like, seven years ago or so? Not even? Like, you know, and so uh, the fact that he's, I don't think he's Connor level yet, but I think he he absolutely do has the ability to be at Connor level, and I think it's only a matter of time until we are all 
living the sugar show okay you know it, right now we're at the we're at the starting line of the sugar show and i'm telling you the finish line is about a good 100 kilometers away Alrighty, the sugar show has a while to go like this is we are going places with this okay and i i mean it, obviously um i'm talking about the, the, the korean zombie did retire after his fight with max holloway if you if you watch his fight with max holloway first off if you don't know who max holloway is one of he's definitely a he's a great fighter he's a great fighter he has nothing but respect and he he never comes out and he he's not one of those characters that's gonna talk smack over aggressively and like just go stupid and you know um act out of emotions he's always been a very very controlled guy and has been very you know to himself you know he he he's not sean o'malley where he's saying all this stuff he's not conor mcgregor where he's just saying f you and you know holloway in my opinion is a is a great personality in the ufc and you need guys like him obviously you want the sean o'malley's you want the conor mcgregor's you want the odyssey you want the the guys who talk but then you want the guys who are quiet and you know just show up whenever they need to show up like volkanovsky like could be like islam you know what I'm saying? Like there are guys who just keep themselves, and then whenever they go to fight, they're like, "Yeah, what's up?" And then they just destroy them. You know what I'm saying? And so I I love Max Holloway, and if you didn't watch the fight, uh, sad sad it it sucked, but the fight was in Singapore, and it was a fight night. It wasn't even on a main card or anything. But the Korean Zombie and Max Holloway fought about 10 a.m. Eastern time. I think it was. Uh, I might be wrong on the time zone, but it was about, it was like the 10 range. I think it was either 10 or 11 Eastern time. I'm not sure. Um, but Max Holloway scored a knockdown on the Korean zombie. And I'm not going to lie. If he would have followed up and just started hammer fisting, hammer fisting him, the fight would have been over then and there. But eventually they went a little bit, a little bit deeper and Max Holloway ended up just submitting him. But uh, he very well could have just like destroyed Korean Zombie in his last fight and just absolutely hammered him into the ground. But he was respectful. He was like, "This dude is doing so much for his country, so much for his community. Let me show some love to him. I'm not gonna, you know, knock him down and just ba 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 ba." Like he's like, "Let's, you know, let's be let's be civil about this." He was like, "He's done. He's like, I'm gonna beat him, but let let let's be cool about it." And so honestly. Huge respect to Max Holloway. Very, very classy move. I really hope Dana gave him some kind of bonus for that because it's like, look, you didn't have to do that, but you did just because of who the Korean zombie is, and I could appreciate that. I hope he got some kind of bonus for that because that was, that was just super cool. That was just really, really nice of him. He didn't have to. You know, he probably would have got a knockout bonus. But he was like, man, screw this. You know, the Korean zombie has done so much for the game. I can't do that to him. And then obviously... Like I said, the Korean zombie did retire. Uh, in his post-fight interview, he said, I'm going to stop fighting. He's like, I always aim to be champion. I'm not here to be ranked third, fourth, fourth, fifth. I really believed I could beat him. I don't think I have the opportunity anymore. And so, uh, of course, uh, he, he did turn pro back in 2007 and has been fighting under, you know, for the UFC since 2011. Um, his uh, final record ended up being 17 and 8. And he won eight of them by submission, six of them by knockout, and three by decision. So basically, if this guy was winning, he was finishing his fights. Okay, um, he did start. He he started his career great. Like they thought he was going to be a stud. He started his career six and two uh, with wins over Dustin Poirier, Dennis Bermudez, Frankie Edgar. The and then like you know he he had some really really big wins. Um, 
but of course, kind of towards the end of the end of his end of his career, he just started falling off, unfortunately. But I I think that it was just a great uh, it, it was a good fight, and I'm I, I hate to see the Korean Zombie go, but he he went on a good on a good time, and he he was a great like I said, a great personality. You need personalities like his in the UFC, and I love seeing guys from um, less noticeable countries. Uh, I guess you could say grow their platform on more of a worldwide base. You know, I love um, seeing fighters from South Africa, you know, do well because it's like, nobody talks about South Africa. Like who, who, who cares? You know, in the, in the United States, obviously we have a bunch of amazing, amazing people, amazing athletes. And you, you see the United States a lot, but it's like, man, I want to see these people from random places like Indonesia. You know, I, I love all the Brazilian fighters. You know, obviously Brazilian jiu-jitsu is huge and I think that, you know, even fighters from Brazil, I love seeing those. I love seeing Oliveira win. Um, I even love seeing Khabib win, you know. And so I, I love seeing people who growing up, they're like, yeah, you know, like, we don't do this kind of thing. But you're like, man, screw that. I'm going to do it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's not like us. Because, you know, growing up in South Korea, they're like, yeah, that's not like us to go to the UFC and fight all these guys and make all this money you know what i'm saying like like that's not us okay and he was basically like i don't care he's like i'm gonna do it and he did really well in it. and uh, nothing but love for korean zombie hope he enjoys retirement but i i think he could find himself into uh into somebody's corner one day who knows we'll have to see about that one but i yeah of course nothing but love and hopefully max holloway got some kind of bonus because i'm telling you he deserved it he deserved that bonus. I don't care what you say. He deserved it. Okay. Kind of um, transition off the UFC. I want to talk to you guys about Trey Lance to the Cowboys. What do you guys think about the trade? I thought it was, um, first off, I'm not going to say he's the biggest bust in NFL history. Uh, right now, I have him ranked probably as the second biggest bust. I think the biggest bust, bust is still Jamarcus Russell, and I think Trey Lance could be second. Um but I think Trey Lance is a very close second, and I know Trey Lance has probably done a little bit more and looked a little better than Jamarcus Russell, but you have to realize the 49ers literally gave up three first-round picks for Trey Lance. They're like, this is our quarterback of the future. Like, we're going all in on this guy. Gave up three first-round picks just for Trey Lance to be trash, and they end up trading him for a fourth-rounder. Like, that's crazy to me. That is absolutely insane. Um, So, yeah. I, uh, obviously I'm sure you guys saw, um, they traded for Trey Lance, like I said, and then later that day they brought Will Greyer in, which you don't remember Will Greyer. Uh, he was the quarterback out of West Virginia, who I was very high on. I, I really liked him coming out of the draft. I want to say he was drafted two. I think he was drafted last year. I think he was drafted last year. No, he's drafting 2019. Oh, wow. I didn't realize he was that old. Oh, wow. He's 28. Never mind. Okay, yeah. So he was drafted a, a couple years, a few years back, but they were like, look, we're trading for Trey Lance and we're going to, uh, we're probably going to cut you. But the Cowboys uh, just doing a very classy move like that. I've never seen the Cowboys do something like this. I'm so happy that they did. But they were like, look, we're going to release you, and you, but you have been nothing but good to us. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to let you play in this last preseason game before we cut you. Um, he was like, okay, bet. Like, I, like, I appreciate it so much, you know, because this is basically him getting film 
for other teams to see him. And they're like, okay, yeah, like we would love to have you on our, on either our active roster or even a practice squad roster. You know, like I think he still has that kind of value. And so, like I said, just a great and a great soul move for the Cowboys. I, I really enjoyed that personally because I was like, they didn't have to do that, but they just did. And I think that's very, very recognizable, very appreciative. Um, but I, I don't think Trey Lance is going to do anything. Okay, like I said, I think Trey Lance is the second biggest bust of all time. Jamarcus Russell is still number one. The reason I say Jamarcus is number one because Russell literally did not try. He literally did nothing. And now I don't know exactly what Trey Lance is doing. I don't think Trey Lance is trying that hard either. But I think Jamarcus Russell had more time to show what he was capable of, which was nothing. Okay, which is why I have him at one. Trey Lance hasn't had that. At, he hasn't even had half a season to show what he can do. So I'm kind of I'm I'm still kind of on the fence with him at being number two. But like I said, the 49ers trading away three first round picks for him to the Dolphins, which the Dolphins then turned into um just to just to name a few, just because I, I might be wrong with one of them. Uh, of course, one of the picks was used in the trade for Tyreek Hill. Okay, another one was used to draft Jalen Waddle, and then another one was used in the trade for Bradley Chubb. Okay, I mean, like I'm just saying, they brought in a lot of assets from those picks, and they basically got Tua, and they got Tua, which obviously is a lot better than Trey Lance. Um, so I, I mean, obviously they won that trade by a landslide. It's just kind of crazy to see, like looking at it now, how lopsided that was. And I remember coming into the draft, we were like, dude, like Trey Lance is gonna be a stud, but it was like he had no football experience. He had barely any. Like, dude was just he was just good at throwing a football. But he had barely any football experience, and I think it was a huge gamble to take him at number three. But, you know, and obviously it didn't work out. But, I mean, you got Mr. Irrelevant, and he's actually doing something. So you, you can't hate. I can't I can't say anything against it. Um, it just sucks to see that even the best coaching staff in the league couldn't help Trey Lance. But I also think it could be a training room issue, you know, because he was injured a lot. But who's to say that it's their fault and not just his own because he wasn't putting in the work and he didn't want to play? Because I feel like there was a point where he was like, man, screw this. Like, I'm not going to play. You know, like, Jimmy G is great. Okay. And then this Brock Purdy kid, like, he's actually playing. I'm injured. He's taking my spot. Who's to say I come back and I even have QB2? And so he's like, you know, I don't know if he gets discouraged from that. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore. But then from a Cowboy standpoint, a fourth round pick is value is is valuable. I mean, obviously it's not too valuable, but it's valuable. And um, I think they took on Trey Lance's contract, and I'm just like, ugh, I'm not crazy about taking on his contract because he has like a seven mil contract because he was a third over pick and because he was a quarterback. Um, but I mean, they just got rid of the big Zeke contract, and I'm pretty sure after this year, Trey Lance is going to be a free agent. So maybe that'll open the room for them to sign Tony Pollard to a, a good extension. Cause I don't think Tony Pollard is on an extension. I might be wrong though. I don't think he is though. Um, but obviously uh, in that last preseason game that the Cowboys let Will Greyer play, they went, cra- he went crazy and they got their first preseason W of the season in their last preseason game. Uh, Dak Prescott did play quarterback for them. I mean, not quarterback. He played offensive coordinator for them. And honestly, he did really well. I doubt many people actually watched the game, but it it looked really, really well. 
like I was genuinely impressed with the the play calls, the execution, and just the calmness from both Will and Dak. I think Dak looked really great as an offensive coordinator, and I think he could seriously have a career in it after uh, once he's done being a quarterback and all. Um, but Will Greyer, go through a stat line. He went 29 for 35, 305 yards, two touchdowns, had a 122 QBR. Had 10 carries for 53 yards, and I mean, honestly, just looked great. He had two rushing touchdowns as well. I didn't mention that one. Uh, he did fumble, but he did end up recovering. So if you if you fumble and you recover, it doesn't it doesn't count. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we don't count those. But uh, he he looked great. He looked like a stud. He threw great deep balls. Even his short balls were were on the on point. They were very accurate. I mean, 29 for 35. That is a great completion percentage. Okay, I, I you know you can't be mad about a completion percentage of 83%. You know, 83% is you you would kill for your quarterback to have that completion percentage. Um, and so, yeah, honestly, genuine plus Will Greyer, he's definitely going to have a spot somewhere. I don't know if he's going to be on an active roster, but it'll be on a practice squad at the least. And once again, what a, what a classy act from the Cowboys. I, I love that. I, I love those kind of things where it's like we don't have to, and I know it's a business, but they're like, you're not making much. Might as well just let you do it. Because, but they also could be like, I just don't feel like filing the paperwork right now. So we're just going to let you play. You know, <laughs> imagine like that's how they are. They're just like, hey, coach, uh, yeah, we traded for Trey Lance. Um, do, do you want to, you know, you want to cut Will Grind right now? And he's like, dude, it's a Friday. I don't feel like filling out the paperwork, bro. Like, could you imagine? I wonder if that, that, that actually would happen. Because that would make sense. Like, that would be funny. But who knows? Um, <laughs> but guy looked great. Will Grier looked really, really well. I didn't realize, but dude is actually 28. He's actually 28. Like he's old. And the other thing that I did fail to mention, he's not the ideal quarterback. Okay. He's six one two twenty, which, uh, for most quarterbacks is kind of shorter, but I'm not, I'm not crazy about him. Um, and, uh, the, but now the, the Dallas QB, uh, QB room, it's Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush, Trey Lance. I'm just like, I don't understand trading for Trey Lance. Obviously, in the last in the last podcast, we talked about where I think Trey Lance would go, and he did end up going to the Cowboys. But I'm just like, why? Why did you send him to the Cowboys? Why did the Cowboys want him? Cooper Rush is a great backup. We saw him play last year. He did really, really well, genuinely. Okay, Cooper Rush did genuinely well last season, and honestly, they didn't really skip a beat whenever that Prescott went down. Okay, so I I was just very very shocked by the pick uh by the pickup on that on their part. But I mean, who knows? Maybe they have something schemed up. I have no clue. Maybe they think Dak Prescott is like gonna fall fall through, and they're gonna be like Cooper Rush is not the long term answer. So we got Trey Lance. But I don't think they're gonna side Trey Lance to an extension at all because he's literally a QB three, and he's making QB one ish money. Okay, he's, I'm telling you, he's making really really good money. And I just don't understand the point of putting that stuff in your books whenever you don't even have to. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I Will Grier is definitely gonna have a spot somewhere. I would love to see him on the Chiefs because I think the Chiefs uh need a guy like that. I I, I think they need him on the practice squad just because I'm not crazy about our backup quarterbacks. Um I like Blaine Gabbard, but that's about it. Um but who knows? Well does he? But I he will definitely get somewhere for sure. He'll definitely go somewhere for sure, for sure. Um <laughs> Now, something I want to talk about. We're going to stay on the football thing, but we're going to college football. Obviously, 
caught we had college football this past weekend. Okay, we had the, we had USC, we had Notre Dame, we had a couple other games. Those were kind of the bigger ones, though, even though they were both you know easy Ws for the teams. Um, ranked in the top twenty-five. This weekend is like real college football, though. Okay, like all the teams are playing, uh, and so I, I think this this weekend is like it. Like this is the season. Okay, um, and I want to talk about college football format. Where think we adopt what they do in Europe for soccer with the Premier League, the Champions League, all those different leagues. Okay, if you don't know exactly how those work, pretty much they have the best of the best. The teams with literally the most money, you know, the the PSG, the uh, the Arsenal, like all these West Ham, all these great, great teams. Okay, and they're at the very, very top in the Premier and pretty much they'll have a playoff at the end of the season and the team obviously it doesn't work for the the top top seed if you win champion you're champion but if you lose if you lose out then you fall into the league below you okay so you drop a league and then the champion of that league that you drop to will take your spot and look i get it this is very very far fetched I think them making the CFP 12 teams was far-fetched. I thought that was far-fetched, but it brings more meaningful games. Okay, it makes more meaningful games, um, and I think the 12-team CFP is a step in the right direction as to what to do because now we see all these colleges moving from the big from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten, from the Big 12 to the SEC, and the SEC is turning into a, a madhouse. It's turning into an absolute powerhouse of a conference to the point where all of the best teams are going to be what it looks like in the Big Ten and the SEC, and they are going to get all of the money from the TVs because nobody's going to want to watch the ACC. Nobody's going to want to watch the Big Ten because they have nobody. Big Ten is already losing Texas, Oklahoma. Those are your two biggest guys, especially Texas. Like Those are your biggest teams. If they're going to SEC. SEC is going to make millions, if not over a billion dollars off of those teams. They probably are making over a billion, if I'm being honest. And I just think this would be a really great way to go at it. I'm telling you, take the top 12. I don't know exactly how you do it. I think you would go. I think you should go off of history, not where they're, they're at today. I think you should go based off of history. Okay. Um, and I think the like the 12 most elite programs should be at the top. Your Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, Clemson. Um, USC, you could even say Nebraska because Nebraska was a stud. You could say Florida. You could say Florida. Okay. And just those elite teams. You could say Michigan too. I would I wouldn't hate Michigan. And just those elite elite teams. And then right under them, you know, that's where you have your um I'm trying to think of like um I'm trying to think of like a team that's not elite elite, but is still a really good team. Okay, um, let's see. Like North Carolina, I think North Carolina would be really good to go in the, in that second one. You know, I think North Carolina would be a good one. Oregon State, Baylor, Texas Tech, even. Okay, you could say Wisconsin. Wisconsin's not a bad one. A and M. I don't think A and M is elite. I think A and M is right under elite. Um, TCU, I guess, but like historically, probably not. Ole Miss for sure. Um, you could argue Utah. I think Florida State would be, would be but like you get what I'm saying. Okay. You start at the very, very top, and these are like your SEC, the Big Ten, all these different things. 
Okay. All like the, the big, big programs and like some of the best schools from all the different conferences, like the Pac-12 and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, you just work your way down the list as far as like based off of history, who has like been, you know, like the, the best, the worst, all these different things. And then obviously the bottom would be like the CUSA or even uh, you. I wouldn't say the independence. I think we should just like completely throw out the independence and just like throw them somewhere. Like Notre Dame should be right under elite and then UMass and army and UConn kind of have their own things and stuff. You know what I'm saying? But you get what I'm saying. Pac-12 literally has four teams in it right now. I mean, not right now, like right this moment, but with all the teams moving, they're going to have four teams unless they can recruit some teams from like the mountain West or something like that. So that's why I say, Maybe we should adopt this. And look, it's far-fetched. I don't expect this to happen at all until at least 2026, at the earliest 2026. I don't expect anything to happen right now. I don't expect anything to happen tomorrow. I don't. I think it would be a great idea, and I think it's something they should talk about, but it's not going to happen for a very long time. But we see all the all the colleges, all the teams moving, and it's like, uh... What if we did what soccer does? So that way you don't have the powerhouses, okay? Every team has their chance to make their money. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the thing. Uh, you have this powerhouse conference and everybody wants SEC Network. Nobody wants ACC Network because it's trash. So then the TV companies lose money and they're like, look, NCAA, y'all need to figure this out because y'all are losing me money. But obviously we want to watch college football, but y'all are losing me money. And they're like, oh, okay, what are we going to do about this? And I'm telling you, I think this this would really work. And the other thing is, like I said, if there's anything people love more, it's meaningful games. I don't give a damn about the GoDaddy Bowl. I care about the Sugar Bowl, okay? I care about the Rose Bowl, Alrighty, Those are the bowl games that I care about. Personally, I don't care about the tickets, ticket smarter Birmingham Bowl. I don't care about the guaranteed rate bowl. I don't care about the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. I do not care about those bowl games. I care about the CFP and the big, big games. Alrighty. I care, like I said, about the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, Fiesta Bowl. Chick-fil-A Bowl. I love those bowl games because those are the good, good teams. But if you have a chance to move up and make more money for your school, for your program, and to increase your fan base, then I'm intrigued. Now, I may not be intrigued in the first round because it's like, you know, the first round ain't really nothing crazy. Whenever you get to the semis, no matter what league, I'm looking because I'm like, man, who's going to jump to the top? Who Like, who's going to jump to the next league? You know, like, is Louisiana Tech really about to be up there with Florida State? You know what I'm saying? Like, you get what I'm saying. I, obviously, that's highly unrealistic. But you get what I'm saying, where it's like, these games are meaningful. Like, I actually want to watch these games because they genuinely mean something. You know, if you win a bowl game, yeah, you get a little bit of money, you get some gear, and you get a bonus and all this. Stuff, but you don't get, as a fan, you don't get anything from it. But as a fan in this sense, you would get a lot from it because you're like, holy cow, like we just our funding just went through the roof. We're going to get much better recruits because of where we are. 
They're like, this is it. Like, we made it, dude. Like, let's freaking go. So I, I definitely think that this is something that should be brought up. I have seen it online. I'm not the I'm not the first person to talk about this at all. I I, I mean, there's a bunch of people that have talked about it, and I'm just kind of going along with it. And I'm like, look, this is legit. Like, we genuinely need to talk about this. Okay. Um. So yeah, I I absolutely I think this is a, a huge way to increase the love for the game and increase the meaningful games and make fans more intrigued and more interested for sure and i, I like i said it, it, let me let you guys let me know okay y'all at me you know y'all comment whatever y'all let me know what do y'all think i'm telling y'all i really think this could go a long way i think this could genuinely do some damage in the in the ncaa world of things where it's like it, it'll, it'll increase their viewership by a lot compared to previous years in my opinion <clears throat> Now, transferring off from uh, college football, let's talk about some NBA, okay? Not, now, we're not talking about NBA stats, okay? We're talking about Noah Lyles, which, if you don't know who Noah Lyles is, quite literally, he's definitely the best sprinter for you at, for Team USA right now. Um, all time, he's definitely up there for Team USA. Um, I'm sure you guys saw the video. He was uh, in an interview, and they were talking to him, and, you know, I, I don't know what the question was or how it came up. But the only clip that's going viral is him saying, you know, one thing that aggravates me is in the NBA, they have, you know, world champion banners and on their trophies. And it's like, world champions of what? The United States? And honestly, bro, L take. L take, good thing to say, like, you just lost a lot of respect from a lot of different people. Okay. Um, Reason I say that is because, yes, don't get me wrong. It's not the FIBA World Cup. It's not the Olympics. They aren't literally phasing off against every country's best players. You get what I'm saying? Like they're not face. Like it's not. It's not Team USA facing Greece. It's not Team USA facing Spain. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what the FIBA World Cup is for. That's what the Olympics are for. Mainly the Olympics. And but uh, but 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 the NBA is the greatest basketball league ever in the world. So therefore, whenever they say world champions, they are saying that that team has beaten the best teams in the world because the best players play in the NBA. I don't. I, I understand there are a lot of great players in the Euro League, the Spanish League, the Big Three, TBT, all these different. There are a lot of great players. Don't get me wrong, but I'm telling you right now, from a team standpoint. And as far as like your players, the NBA has the best players from all around the world, which is why they have earned themselves the title world champions. And like I said, they're not facing off other countries like they are right now in the World Cup and the Olympics, which is why they get a gold medal. And they also will call themselves world champions because they are. Like I said, in the, the NBA is the most competitive league. Is the is the best basketball league, most competitive basketball league in the world. Every basketball player's dream is to play in the NBA. Their dream is not to play in the Euro League. Even if you live in Europe and you you play basketball or you've you know been interested in basketball, you know what the NBA is, and your goal is not to be the best Euro player. Your goal is to be the best NBA player. Okay, obviously you wouldn't mind playing in the Euro League, but it's like I want to go play in the NBA. Like that's where all like the studs are. You know that's where the money is. That's where everybody is. That's where the best players are. And I want to face against the best players. 
And that's why everybody's fighting to get in the NBA. Not everybody's fighting to get in the EuroLeague. And so, uh, obviously, a lot of players had a lot of backlash for Noah Lyles. Um, a lot of them saying a lot of different things. Um, he was like, first off, Noah Lyles did follow this up. That's not in the clip. He says, don't get me wrong. I love the USA at times, but that ain't the world. That is not the world. We are the world. We have almost every country out here fighting, thriving, putting on their flag to show what they represent. There ain't no flags in the NBA, which, yes, bro, that there is. There are a lot of different backgrounds. Obviously, Nikola Jokic is literally from Serbia. Like, what even is their flag? Okay, I, I genuinely have no clue. Um, a lot of players, like I said, did uh, say something about what Noah Lyles had to say. Uh, of course, one of the most notable ones was Kevin Durant. Um, he said, somebody help this brother. D-Book uh, literally sent the uh, slapping face emoji, like, are you kidding me, dude? And then Damian Lillard said, uh, the fuck? Like, bro, what are you talking about with the laughing emojis? Aaron Gordon said, whatever, dot, 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 I'm smoking, buddy, in the 200 meter, which he's tripping. But uh, Tyus Jones said, yeah, this ain't it. And then... Um, I, I, like I said, a lot of, a lot of different guys, Udonis Haslam said big fan, but going with the, going with that BS, brah. And I, I can't say, I, I don't, I don't agree with them. Like I said, I think, um, I think that saying world champion could be a little, uh, a little far-fetched. Um, but I think that, uh, but I think that they, they earn the right. Like I said, the best players go to play in the NBA. You know, and if the best crack runners all went to run track in, let's just say Jamaica. I'm saying Jamaica because you're saying both. But let's just say that's where, like, the league for track runners is. And, like, it, it was just as big as the NBA. Like, obviously, that's where you would want to go run. You don't want to go run some step down from the NBA. So I'm telling you all. They earned the right to say world champions because no other team in the world could compete with them. You know, they won it all. Okay. I'm telling you, if your EuroLeague team is better than an NBA team, you're going to be an NBA. But that's just not real, bro. The NBA is, has the best players, the best teams in the world. Okay. So, honestly, I'll take, but, you know. You got to say something. And obviously, I'm sure now Noah Lyles, a lot of people have heard about Noah Lyles a little bit more because he said that. So was it publicity, son? I'm not sure. All I know is that it worked. Okay. <clears throat> now, I want to talk to you guys on like a little bit of like a, a personal thing, I guess. Um, I joined a dynasty. League, okay. I have never done a dynasty league. I've only ever done like a, a regular fantasy league. And I have no idea what I am doing. Say I have no idea. I have some idea as to what I'm doing, but it, it it's interesting. Okay, I, I like I said, it's interesting. I didn't. I know what a dynasty. Um, I know what a dynasty league is because I've heard of it before. Like I said, I've never participated in this one, and this one had a buy-in of um, it had a buy-in of fifty dollars. So already a, a little hefty price for your first dynasty league ever. You know what I'm saying? But I think I, I think I have a, a good chance of doing of doing well in this. Um, so right now, uh, we we're you have four hours for your pick just to like make sure everybody gets their pick, and you know we have to schedule a time and everybody takes off and all these different things. 
So uh, just to make sure that everybody is able to pick, we do have uh, it on four hours per pick. And you are allowed to uh, you're allowed to obviously trade your picks and whatnot. Um, it, it's completely up to you as to what you want to do. Um, you know, you have your picks, you have your plays, you want to trade them, trade them, go ahead, like do whatever you want. Uh, but a dynasty league, in case you ha don't know, um, a dynasty league is, it, it doesn't end. A fantasy league will end after one season. A dynasty league will never end uh, unless you literally end it. Okay. Um. So yeah, pretty much uh, so far, we're only through three rounds. We've had three picks in the fourth round. It is a 12 man draft. It's 25 rounds. Uh, how the format works is there's a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, three flexes, and a super flex spot. With super super flex spot, you can put a wide receiver, tight end, running back, or quarterback, which obviously most people are going to put a quarterback because quarterbacks are genuinely, generally get the most points. I kind of just want to tell you guys where I'm at right now, okay? Uh, and just let me know. I don't know if you guys have ever done a Dynasty League. If you have, please, please hit me up because I don't know exactly what I'm doing. I have a, an idea, but I don't know exactly what I'm doing. Um, so I had the 104. I had I had the fourth pick, and I could have gone Joan Burrow, but I was like, man, I'm not crazy about it. I don't know what it is about me, but I just, I'm not crazy about Joe Burrow this year. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the injury that he sustained earlier in the seat, uh, in preseason stuff, but I'm just... I just feel like Joe Burrow's gonna have some kind of a step back year. You know, so far he's been improving basically year by year. He's been getting better and better and better. But I feel like there's one year where he's just gonna have a roadblock and just like you know, he's he's just gonna take a step back, or he's not gonna take a step at all. You know, and not taking a step all may help him, but I think he's gonna take a step back this year. And yes, he has a better O line, he has better weapons, but the AFC North is so freaking competitive, which yeah. Uh, it, it could open the opportunity for him to throw the ball more, but I, th I just think, I don't know. It's just something inside of me. I'm not crazy about drafting him. Uh, and now granted, I think he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Not, not the best because that's Patrick Mahomes, but he's going to be a, a really great quarterback in the league for a long time. Don't get me wrong. And so I think he's very valuable in dynasty, but I was like at the one Oh four, I think he's valuable, but I think there's more value in trading it. So what do I do? I guess, I guess you could say I do the irresponsible thing and I trade pick. Okay. And now you may be thinking like, okay, well, like what would, would, you know, what, what was the trade? What did you do? Surely it wasn't a bad trade. Okay. Surely it was not a bad trade. I was like, no, no, not a bad trade. I don't, I don't think it was a bad trade. So my first trade came with, uh, one guy in the league where, uh, he, he wanted my first round pick. Okay, he, I, I was like, look, I don't want the 104. Who wants the 104? And he was like, hmm, I'm interested. And I was like, okay, bet. Uh, sends me a trade. And basically, I traded the 104 for the one. Uh, I traded the 104 and my 11th round pick for the. Um, I traded the 104 and my uh, 11th round pick for his. Uh, I traded the 104 for hit and my 11th round pick for his 111 and his 311. Okay. So now I have two picks in the third and I have a later pick in the first and also got his next year third round pick, which is not like crazy valuable because it's pretty much just rookies, but it's, it'll be valuable and I could use it as a trade piece for sure. Um, 
so yeah, I, I thought there was I thought there was good value in the pick, and I was like, you know, fair enough. Like, I'm not crazy about taking next year's picks because who say even do this next year? But I, I think there I thought there was good value, and I was like, I like this. I like the idea of this. Um, so yeah, I ended up trading that pick. I thought it was kind of a um a, an interesting move to uh say the least. I thought that it was uh I thought it was tough, but I was like, it would work. It could work. Um, so the next, I was like, man, you know. I, I I just love trading. I I love trading. So next, I sent my second round pick, my third round pick, and my seventh round pick to. Uh, so basically, I had the uh, I had the two oh seven. I had the two oh seven, or was it, I had the two oh eight. I had the two oh eight, and I had the. Let me get it, let me get it real quick because I'm trying to pull it up, but it's not showing uh, how I want it to. Let me see what I can do. Okay. Here we go. So the trade was I send the 209, 304, and 704, and he sends the 206, 307, 707. So basically, we swap picks, except that I moved up in the second round and I moved back in the third and the seventh. But I was like, well, that's fair, whatever. Because in the second round, there was somebody who I really wanted, which uh, in the second round, I did end up taking. Uh, I thought it was, some people would say it was a reach, but I was like, nah, I, I really want him. Uh, I ended up taking Deshaun Watson. I was like, I feel like somebody's going to take him. So let me just trade up and take him. Um, even though the people who were ahead of me had a quarterback, uh, the guy that I traded with didn't have a quarterback. So I was like, Ooh, I don't know if he's going to get a, get a quarterback. I don't want him to take, uh, Deshaun Watson because I want Deshaun Watson. And, uh, the guy still has to taking a quarterback by the way. <laughs> But uh, I was like, I, I think I think I could definitely get this. So I did end up taking Deshaun Watson, which I was I was very happy with the trade personally. Um, and then another trade that I ended up doing was, um, like I said, I, I love doing trades. I uh, oh, never mind. No, a guy proposed a trade to me, but I ended up declining it. But this was kind of like my. This will probably be one of my last trades. He ended up sending me. Uh, I sent. The my fourth my the four oh nine and the twelve oh nine and I got the eleven ten the thirteen ten and the seven ten and you're probably thinking like dude like the four oh nine has a lot of value right it does have a lot of value but I, I like the I like um stacking up my picks kind of later so that way I have the depth uh because you know if a star if a star player has an injury then it's like oh crap what am I gonna do but like I'm gonna have that good depth so it's like no matter what happens we're gonna be good and I think the thing is like we could have these depth players and we could trade them for a star uh, if they blow up, you know what I'm saying? So I think, I think it, uh, it's going to work out for me in the end. Uh, obviously first place gets $500. So whew, I'm definitely, I'm definitely trying to get that. So I'm going to need, I'm going to need some, I'm gonna need some prayers. I'm gonna need some help on this one. Uh, but yeah, I, I've never done dynasty league before. If you have, please hit my line. Uh, I, I got in this dynasty league cause I was trying to get in the, uh, BDGE one. You guys can see BDGE did a dynasty league and they were like, they accepted three different people. Uh, there was over 400 applications, though, and sadly, I didn't end up getting in, unfortunate, because I was definitely going to talk about it on the podcast, but it's okay. Um, but they talked about how I was talking earlier with college football where the loser is going to drop down and the winner is going to move up. So this is the BDG Losers League, which it's only 12 of us, so pretty clutch that I got in because now they actually know who I am and they know that like I'm actually serious about this. So... Who knows? Maybe I could win it all. And they were like, okay, who is this guy? Like, you know, let's, let's bring him in our league. You know, that'd be pretty dope. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the goal, honestly. <laughs> it's kind of the goal. 
but uh yeah and uh uh no so it's gonna kind of stay on full we're, we're gonna get on fantasy though um obviously the pre uh week three of preseason is like the last uh week of preseason and now it's cut week if you guys don't know cut start the day at start uh once the last preseason game is played all the way up until tuesday at i think it's uh what 4 p.m eastern time is like whenever they can make cuts and they have to be at the 53-man roster and just to put in perspective during preseason training camp you can have 90 guys on your team but once uh cut week ends you have to be at 53 you can only have 53 players on your roster which that is a huge that dude that's nearly half of your lineup you're nearly cutting half of your lineup. And that is super tough because a lot of the guys you grow an emotional connection to, and you're like, you know, they could be valuable, but I just don't think they're yet. Um, so like, what am I going to do? Um, which is why they do allow practice squad players. They have uh, each team has 16 practice squad spots. So you're going from 90 to 53, but then you have the 16 with the practice squad players. So essentially you're, your team is going from 90 players to 69 players, oddly enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's just a harsh reality for a lot of people that they're not going to have a job next week. Okay, because over, uh, just put in perspective, over a thousand people or nearly a thousand people are going to get that phone call where they're like, hey, you got to turn your stuff in, you know, like we don't need you anymore. Okay, like you're cut. Um, and then, uh, a little less than half of those uh, may get a call and they're like, hey, we want you on a practice squad. And then just like that, you're back in the NFL, but you're you're a practice squad player. You're not in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? But you're on the team. So if they win a ring, you win a ring. You know what I'm saying? Um, and of course, there's any there's any chance, any moment where you'd be called up to an active roster spot where you could get a call from another team. And they're like, hey, we want you to be on our active roster. And you're like, OK, bet. Um, so, yeah, it, it's definitely a harsh reality and it, it's business at the end of the day. But man, that's hard to see. I hate seeing those videos on Hard Knocks where they bring players in and they're like, "Yeah, um, we're gonna have to cut you. Like, we're just gonna move on." Which, uh, which sucks, honestly, because you're like, "Dang," you know, like you think you're doing good, and then your boss is just like, "Yeah, we're gonna have to move on." He's like, "Why?" And you're just like, "Because I have to," you know. Um, and I think, uh, I think that's gonna be a, a tough reality for some teams because there are some teams that have a lot of really good depth, in my opinion. Uh, and they're going to have to make tough decisions because there are going to be some players that are like, this guy could be something, but he's not something right now. Like, there's another player that's better than him, and so I have to roll with this other player for now. But this guy definitely could be something. And so they keep him around the practice squad usually and just, like, you know, get, keep him in their back pocket. You know what I'm saying? Um, Another guy, obviously, they do have a couple different signings and re-signings going on. Uh, one of the biggest signings, which is it, it's an underrated signing, the Eagles sign cornerback Isaiah Rogers. And I look, I know what y'all are thinking. Y'all may not even know who this guy is. Isaiah Rogers is a really good corner, not like Darius Slay, Bradbury, like not that type of corner, but he's a good cornerback two and a great cornerback three. Um, he suspended this entire season for gambling. Okay, so he can't even play the season, but they still signed him to their roster, their active roster. Okay. Uh, they're probably going to put him on IR because I think if it's like a um, 
if it's a suspension, you can put him on IR and he doesn't count as an active roster spot. He's just like an injured reserve. And I think you can have about five of those, um, which you usually save for some of your better players because it's like, I don't want to lose them, you know, so I got to cut them or anything. And I don't want to, I don't want to lose a roster spot. So let me just put them in IR. Um, but I'm pretty sure they can put him in the IR. And the reason why I say, like, this is one of the bigger ones, because the Eagles already have hella depth at corner. Okay, they have Darius Slade, James Bradbury, Keely Ringo, Eli Ricks, and they just signed Isaiah Rogers. Okay, they have some great corners. And Isaiah Rogers isn't going to be able to play this season, yes. But next season, that's going to be clamps. But I don't think Bradbury is going to be there next season. So maybe they kind of expect Isaiah Rogers to be cornerback three and Ringo to step into that cornerback two role. But I'm not 100% sure. I think that there's a, a huge possibility that that happens. And I think that Isaiah Rogers is prepared for it because, like I said, he is a great, great corner. So, yeah, go look him up. Like, dude is a stud. Uh, I can only tell you so much. But, he, you know, he plays for the Colts. So, it's not like he got a lot of TV time. But I'm telling you, he had a lot of picks. I think he had five picks last season. And he, he has great deflections. He's a really good corner who just doesn't get a lot of love because nobody talks about the Colts. Um. Uh, move back to the NBA. Obviously, still the FIBA World Cup one, like I was talking about earlier. Um, trying to figure out who's going to be crowned the best country uh, at the FIBA World Cup this year. The USA is looking really, really well. Okay, they ended up defeating Greece one hundred and nine to eighty one on the back of Austin Reeves, fifteen points, five rebounds, and six assists. And he looked really, really good. They love him in the Philippines, by the way. I'm sure you guys have seen all the posters. They love him. And I don't know if I talked about it previously, but Austin Reeves did come up with a custom shoe and all of the pairs that were available sold out within minutes. And I mean, like two to three minutes, like it was so fast, how fast it sold out. It was stupid. Um, but this guy is just, he's, in my opinion, the biggest white hooper in the world right now. And I used to think that was T-Jazz, but I guess since, I guess since Austin Reeves is at a, a major level, uh, and I think Matt McClung is still a really good white boy hooper, but all he can do is really dunk. Austin Reeves can quite literally do it all. Um, so I, I I definitely think he's the biggest white hooper in the world right now. Um, of course, the uh, uh, USA did also beat New Zealand 99-72, to and they did end up beating Greece, where Austin Reeves also went off in that game. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the USA looks like they're going to run away with it. Uh, Australia has looked a little rough. Canada looked decent, but the USA has just looked crazy. Okay, he, um, they, they've just looked like a a great, great team, a super team, if you will. Um, and so I can only imagine what the Olympics is going to look like. Okay, like if this is what it looks like in the FIBA World Cup, and this ain't even like the greatest, you know, you know, US players that we have. Can't even imagine what the Olympics are going to look like because a lot of players play in the Olympics, but they won't play in the FIBA World Cup because the FIBA World Cup is kind of like there. But like the Olympics, is like okay, I'm really going to get a gold medal. Like we're going to be the next dream team type thing. Yeah, it's kind of what most most players will shoot for. Um, but I still think the FIBA World Cup holds a lot of value, and I think the USA is going to run away with it. And back whenever I first, you know, like we first touched on the FIBA World Cup, I told you I was like Canada's going to win it all. And I still stand by that. I still think Canada's going to win it all. But I think the USA has a really, really good chance of winning it. And obviously, I would love to see my country win. But I think Canada's stacked. But I also think there could be not as great of chemistry in Canada as there is in the USA. You know, who's to say? I think it's tight, though. Um, also, on the NBA, I'm sure you guys saw Giannis is holding out. 
we don't really see this in the NBA, but I, I, I'm proud of him. I'm, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And you guys may be thinking, like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, he's going to get a bag. Like, why is he holding out? The Bucks don't know what they're going to do. Okay? I'm telling you, make me the GM of the Bucks. I'll get this team a ring. They don't know what they're going to do. All they know is that they have Giannis, and they have an old beat-up Chris Middleton, and they have Drew Holiday, but, you know, it it just isn't working. They fired Budenholzer, which I still think was a terrible decision because it's not Budenholzer's fault, okay? Stuff just happened. You know, injuries just got in the way, and I think that was just very unfortunate. I don't think it was Budenholzer's fault. I think that was a terrible decision on the front office's part, and I will always degrade them for that. But I'm, I, I absolutely believe in Giannis's holding out ability because it's like, look, I'm going to get a huge contract wherever I go. Uh, quite literally, uh, what Jalen Brown got, he was like, I'm going to get double, okay? But I want to win another ring. He's already ha- He already got one ring, and he has that haste in his mouth of just winning a ring and all the hard work paying off and ho- hoisting that trophy and having that ring on your finger. It's just a sensation of feeling that you just chase and that you you will always try to replicate, but you you just can't. And so that's what Giannis is going to try to do um, wherever he may go. Like I said, holding out is completely the right move, especially with somebody of his caliber, because like I said, he has his bag. He's going to get a bag no matter where he goes. He just wants a ring with it. And I think a ring is definitely another ring is uh, maybe even two rings is absolutely in his sights. And I think it's very possible for him to do. And I would be very, uh, very surprised if he didn't get another ring, if I'm being completely honest. <clears throat> um, but I, I think the Bucks could make a playoff run, a championship run, but I just don't think that they're going to offer up for it. I don't think they're going to make the right moves for it. And I think Giannis eventually is going to leave the Bucks, which is weird to say because he looks like anything – he looks weird in anything other than a Bucks jersey, but you know, I I would also I was also saying the same for Kyrie whenever he's in Cleveland. But look at him now, you know what I'm saying? Um, same for Harden. I I know Harden has kind of he went to the Nets, the Sixers, and stuff. Houston just looks right on him. I don't know what it is, but just red and stuff. The Houston just looked right for him. And I could you could say the Shanghai Shark because I think their jerseys are red. But I'm telling you that Houston and 13, it just looked right. It just it just fit. And I don't know if that's because because like that's what I grew up him like him playing for and stuff, but it it just made sense. Sorry about that. It it literally just made sense. It it just looked right. Okay, and that's not usually what players shoot for. But I'm just being honest. Like it just it looked right. You know him in a Nets jersey honestly just looked weird. Like him in black and gray is like, nah, that's not you, bro. It just and that's eh, that's not it. It's not fire. Um, but yeah, I mean. Uh, a little bit of a, a pretty normal episode today, but that, that's pretty much all I got. A lot of a, a good bit of things happen. I'm excited. College football is starting this weekend, uh, and I'm I'm so excited. I'm so ready for it to be back. I'm so ready to watch the Tigers. I'm so ready to watch a lot of things. Um, obviously, Mason Smith is suspended that one that first game against Florida State, which is unfortunate, um, especially since NIL literally got approved like two days after he got paid for the signing. I was like, oh gosh. You know, the court just couldn't let it slide. But I, I think the Tigers are going to come out with that one with a W. And look, I'm telling you all, Malik Neighbors is going to go off. If you watched the game last year, he had a really hard breaking drop at the end of the game that 
you know, on, on putt return, he muffed he muffed a couple punts, and I'm telling y'all, he's gonna come out for vengeance. If there's any guy I know, like my guy Malik, I say my guy Malik because I played high school football with him. I tell y'all, this guy's gonna come out with a vengeance. This guy's gonna go crazy. I'm betting on him to carry that game. Jane Daniels is gonna be a machine. Malik Neighbors is gonna be an even bigger, better machine. Okay, I'm just telling y'all, strap in. Because the Tigers are going to be on a roll this season. Y'all better get ready. But that's all I have. It has been your boy, Will Hempel. This has been episode number 11 in Lens Competing. Thank you so much for listening. If you have listened this far, I genuinely appreciate it. I love all of you so much. I, I, you know, like I said, I don't do this for the money. I do it because I genuinely enjoy it. And I want to go back and I want to listen to these. And I'm just happy that people enjoy listening to them. Thank you so much. And remember, Never stop competing, baby. Let's go.